0: The Athletic. So here we are at the end of the season. And now the time has come. Mike, you know how much I love a sing song. And well, then we face the, the final, final curtain. curtain. Yeah, well, it's, it, some ways and it's to sing a song is the... Brighten the mood. But we have... Well, hello, first of all. Welcome to From the (laughs) Roof, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John. Mike is here.
1: Yeah, it is John Mooney and not Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Don't don't retune your sets or whatever it is they used to say. Uh,
0: And uh, we've just got back uh, from Stamford Bridge, uh, where Watford lost 2-1, as you know. Don't worry, this podcast is not just going to be about that game. Uh, We also got to speak with a a good old friend of ours, Mr Troy Deeney. Uh, He's got into television. Uh, and we we're going to speak to him. We will hear us, us chatting to him about that uh, a bit later on the podcast. But, Mike, there we were, Stamford Bridge. The eyes of the world of football were not there. <laughs> they were not at Stamford Bridge. They were elsewhere. <laughs> they were. Uh, and, in fact, our, our sort of our hearts weren't quite ready for being at Stamford Bridge.
1: It really was the, the game that... Well, I was going to say the game that time forgot, but really it was the game that everyone forgot, wasn't it? Because well, after the Leicester game, it really did feel like that was season... Done, dusted, stick it away. Uh, we've hit, hit the low point in spectacular fashion. It felt like everyone had kind of moved on after the Leicester game, and it, it was sort of only really this week that it, I thought, "Oh my goodness, we've got another game to play yet." And not one that we were—I don't think anyone was looking forward to—in a footballing sense, certainly, because a Watford have been terrible all season, and b it's a, it was a complete dead rubber. There's no jeopardy whatsoever. There's nothing riding on it for Chelsea, barring a a twenty-goal swing involving Watford winning and. And Tottenham winning, which is uh, was uh, going to be unlikely. At least one of those things was going to be pretty unlikely. So I think going into it, John, I, I wanted to have a bit of fun, which we did. We met, yes. up, we met up with Stu and the kids and we went for a lovely bite to eat in, in Victoria, just off a little side street, lovely little tavern down the uh, down one of the side streets there in the in the glorious, it has to be said, May sunshine. Um, so that was good. We made the most of the, the pre-game. But then thinking about the match itself, what I really wanted was just to, to sign out in, with some sort of degree of professionalism and just a bit of effort. Effort's the wrong word. I know football yeah, I know exactly always put effort in, but just to sort of say, look, we're not just gonna go with a complete whimper, although they have gone with it, but you know what I mean? Just round it off with at least some degree of of competitiveness and give us the, the, the traveling away support, something something to cheer about, and just not be completely useless, I think, was basically what I wanted. Going into the game, and I don't know what about about
0: you, John, but they kind of delivered I guess really they, they did, and I think it was it was the delivery of individuals, I suppose is what we were really looking at at that game. These individuals that we may have next year, those individuals that might or might not be here next year, um you know there was Musa Sissoko who you know we're thinking he's going, of course there's you know Joshua King, who you assume is going to be going, and then even people like Daniel Bartman, where we're not still a hundred percent sure. Making up this team, as well as you know the several of the you, know, the, the you know just a bunch of players who we've we've seen regularly, but as as you say, we haven't really achieved much this season. And you just want to make sure, that as individuals, they're, that they they're going out on top. Let's talk about a few of those in terms of the performance. Like you say, it was a it was a good performance. You know, it wasn't a performance that was going to. You know, I, I joked the other day about the, the draw against Everton. And, you know, that, well, is that a performance you could build a, build a season on? But actually, the the makeup of that team today felt more like, well, you know what, if you had got a good performance against Chelsea, then maybe add a few other people back into it, because maybe Ishmael Asar and Dennis are injured. Then was it a performance that would technically have been able to be built on in, in this Premier League? I wasn't no. sure. It, it, it didn't no. feel that way, but there were some good, nice individuals in there.
1: I'm going to pull you up, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was a good performance. I think that would be would be pushing it. I think the game itself was. But I don't want to say bad was,
0: performance. Well, yeah, it was, I'm it stuck in this bit, place.
1: Yeah, it was maybe just sub average. How about Okay, oh, <laughs> sub average. <Okay. laughs> because you know Chelsea had a, a, had their flip flops on. They were. They were more excited um, at any stage in the afternoon when, when Manchester City went oh, ahead and it, and that it transpired so that they were going to win the, win the league, didn't it? They started singing, literally singing Come On City. The, all yeah. three sides of Stamford Bridge were, were singing that and there was their yeah. anti-Liverpool songs, which sort of, um, it tells you... The sort of the difference of where we're we're at, we're sort of struggling around with with Burnley and Norwich, and they're they're thinking about Liverpool when they're not even, even playing presumably because of the history in, in, well you know the history between Chelsea and, and Liverpool. So I don't think it was a a, a good performance. I think it was okay. it was enough. It was enough really to send us home, not completely um, long faced and 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 annoyed Daniel Barkman yeah Bachman was 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 surprisingly good i think and i I've, I've had huge question marks over him i've been worried about his attitude i think because some of the quotes attributed to him it sounds like he's got a little bit too much to say and i wasn't i've never been 100% convinced with him in terms of his his performances but i think he actually looked the part today and he he did a reasonable job and if he is serious about hanging around next season which I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. He would still be want to, to to wanting to leave, but I don't know. He won't have done his chances any harm at all with that. I don't think. I thought he was he was he was all right today.
0: Yeah, and and the back four sort of in front of him, uh, very consistent, I suppose, that we've seen recently with Kamara, Samir, uh, Cavaselli, and and Kiko, and, and they did all right. They they did let two goals in, but they would, they they sort of handled what was was put in front of them. And I don't think there's much else you can really say.
1: Defensively, I think you're right, John. I think if you know if that if that's a, a back four that takes to the field in the championship, you're probably going to do all right. I think Kiko was sort of scampering around like like Kiko does, but I think that's probably going to be his last performance in a in a Watford shirt. Cabaselli, I mentioned sort of people like Tom Cleverley, are uh, people I think are just a bit bored of hearing the names because they've been around for so long, but actually Cabaselli is. Is, is perfectly adequate when it comes to championship football. We need to, we need to be looking perhaps a bit beyond that, but he would be fine. You know, if we were playing, I don't know, Preston North End this afternoon, uh, you'd find that Christian Caposelli is fine and, this, and the same goes for Samir and, and Kamara as well. He's, he's got a great personality. We know he's a he's a larger-than-life um, player who's, who's played his way into the hearts of Watford supporters. So there's the... There's the um, kernel of a of a decent enough championship uh, defense there, but we know we sort of can't really accept that. We've got to start that rebuild of the of the backline sooner rather than later because there are. Creaky ones there as well. You know, Craig Cathcart was warming up again today. Cabaselli, I mentioned, is is fine, but is he really is he, is he the future of of Watford in terms of defensive options? No, uh, there's the jury still out over Samir A, whether he's good enough for the for the top flight. B, whether he's going to hang around. So you know they were they were fine today, absolutely fine. And I can't remember who it was that was put on their backside at the end for, to allow the cross um to to allow the cross in for um for Ross Barkley's late winner, which was a bit of a sickness. But overall there, there wasn't any sort of howling errors I wouldn't have thought. And they dealt pretty well with some I'm sorry, John, I know you wanted to get through the defence quickly. But the but, you know, it was all Chelsea for the first half, really, wasn't it? Yeah. It was it was pretty it was pretty thankless from a Watford point of view. And and to keep them out, I thought there were some good, decent last ditch tackles and a bit of a bit of gumption and they they stood up and, and were counted, which
0: it hasn't always been the case this season. No, Kamara. He definitely uh, was uh, taken up with Reece James' duties, uh, but did did very, very well against there. Like he was off the pitch when that that last goal sort of came. Uh, they scored their 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 winning goal in the end, and it, they say it was disappointing because we got a Dan Gosling goal. Uh, he came on late uh, for Kembe. Uh, it was Sissoko Kembe and and cleverly you know back sort of playing in the midfield. Again, they just, They weren't. You know, they weren't the they weren't Chelsea. They weren't many things, um, but let's just focus on that. You know, that that goal from from Gosling. Just, I think I turned to you when he came on. I said, "Who had three go- three games for Dan Gosling in the Premier League this season?" Nobody did. He's played the last three, and he's played all right, and, or he played average, and he got a goal today. And that was, I think, for us as an away bunch of fans, it just really made the day. Not perfect, because it wasn't a win, and it wasn't helping us get out of relegation, but it just really helped, I think, with a nice little release, I suppose, of, 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 of love and energy that we were wanting to release many times this season.
1: I think the fact you said that, John, is it shows exactly where we're at, and I felt like that at half-time, I was, and it sounds so reductive and so basic, and it makes me sound like a, a child, but Stu Hutchinson, who was with us, I was like... I just want us to score. <laughs> Actually, I just want us to look like we're going to score, which really, in, in all reality, it didn't look like. Uh, in all honesty, it didn't look like we were we were capable of doing it. So, as you say, when he did score with what a couple of minutes left, there was big celebrations in the way. And considering there was there was absolutely nothing to play for, and yeah, you're right, John. It was it was a release, and it was just a sort of. It was almost like right. We deserve this. We've 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 made the journey again to watch this relegated side in a dead rubber, where the chances are we're going to get our backsides handed to us. And from out of nowhere, here comes Super Dan, um, stooping to to head into into the back of the net. And yeah, the the away end erupted in. It was it was absolutely superb. I really really enjoyed it. Good celebrations, good noise, and we kind of deserved it. And it was that's really the the best we could have asked for today. It was a celebration in the way, in the away end and. And we got it, but but to be slightly more serious, uh, for a moment, you know the starting midfield of Sissoko, KMB and Cleverly, and then it was Sissoko, Cleverly, and Gosling. You know, there's no guile at all in that in that midfield, is there? Which we'll talk about the strikers in a minute and the impact it has on them. But again. In terms of the championship and the challenge we're going to face, it's going to be it's rough and tumble in the championship. And again, that is slightly reductive to suggest that it's all kick and rush and people getting kicked up in the air because that's not the case at all. There's some excellent football played by some excellent footballers, as we will find out next season. For us to end, have ended up what we've ended up with in the in the in the in the Premier League, and yes, that we haven't had there hasn't been a fight to to, to stay up for for quite some time now. But to, to have ended up with that, you're just looking at it in the cold light of day after the game and sort of we're, we're home and the, the sun's gone down and we've got work tomorrow and it's, uh, we're thinking about going to bed instead of having another beer. It's like, oh no, look at I me, mean, look at it really. It's a bit sort of, it's a bit naff really that we've ended up with with those guys playing. No, no, no discredit to to any of them,
0: but it's it's nowhere near a, a Premier League midfield, is it? And it wasn't particularly a Premier League attack. Ken Semmer, Jal Pedro still being his... You know, as we've said the last couple of games, he's trying, he's pushing. He came close on one occasion. I think maybe if it wasn't Mendy in goal, he might have scored on another day. And of course, Joshua King. I was flabbergasted that he was He was even on the team sheet, thinking, yeah, you know, he is one of those who would want to go and his head would be out of it. And he, well, if he was playing a game of football to try and show himself off on map to the day for a, a, maybe a possible move to a lower, lower end Premier League side, it, it wasn't the performance. And it was a bit lacking of a, a little something, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Again, we've talked about we've talked about the defence being okay, the midfield being lacking in Garland, and the, and the, the the forward line is cobbled together um, as well, isn't it? It's it's not a forward line that is going to threaten many defences in the, in the top flight, if if any. And that was borne out today, really, wasn't it? Joshua King, it was kind of like his his season encapsulated in. And in, in whatever, how long, long he played for, what was it, seventy-two minutes? Came off with about twenty to go, didn't yeah. he? He, you know, he looks like he knows how to be a footballer. He sort of turns up in the right places. He, he can do it. He can look the part. But in terms of what he he delivers, again this afternoon at Stamford Bridge, there was very very little f- from him, as. If we're brutally honest, there has been for the rest of the season. He turned up what against Everton, scored and and uh, against United and, and did well against them. But really, apart from that, the performances have felt pretty subpar from him. And 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 it was similar today. I think you, a little bit of a mitigating factor is that he's playing in a makeshift front three with Jao Pedro through the middle. Who again, we're not really sure what his best position is how are we going to get the best out of his obvious talent and then old peg leg ken on the on the other side who again you cannot fault his enthusiasm you know he's committed to watford you know that he'll do everything for the shirt absolutely no question about that but so left footed it's you know it's almost an anomaly in, in in the top flight to see someone like that and if that's our front 3 then everyone will struggle as a result of it they sort of I don't blame any of them because they, but they all have sort of um, deficiencies, if you like. If again, with no disrespect, that impact on everyone else. So the, there's no guile in the in the midfield to sort of play neat part, balls through for the for the strikers. And then even if there was, uh, are they going to do the right the right thing with it? Are they cute enough to wor- uh, work a bit of space? Having had that space, are they good enough to get the ball into to, to 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 compose a problem? And and
0: the answer to that is. Is a pretty damning no. So why am I not? Why am I sitting here not feeling terrible? Is it just because we had a lovely sociable day at yeah. the pub and hanging out with Eli? His second away game, he's rocking a o one o three Watford shirt, yeah. which was brilliant. I, I don't. Know. It, maybe it's because no, I I, I've given up on the season a couple of weeks ago, and it was just fun to be out with yeah. everybody. You know, just being overly critical of that game. I mean, he's got one bloke behind me. He was effing and jeffing over every single thing. Yeah, that was sorry going He's about like,
1: Arlo.
0: was <laughs> like, "What have you been watching all season? Is this your first game? You know, this is this is what I was expecting. This is what I w- was seeing. And any of those stray passes that don't quite go where you want them to go, or the cross ball doesn't exactly land like Marco Cassetta used to do it. I go, yeah." That's what that's it that's what we are. So why am I getting het up about it? Maybe that's why I'm more chilled. Yeah,
1: well I think the fact that we get we we were relegated in reality even if it wasn't mathematically quite a significant time ago has meant we've been playing football with no jeopardy for for some time. So that takes away a lot of a lot of stress When there's nothing on the game. You, it's it's not the same whether you like it or not. We obviously want Watford to win, but there's no um, the, the the intensity just isn't the same, so there is definitely that There's the fact that it was. An okay game from Watford's performance. They kind of delivered what we wanted. We got the goal. They didn't embarrass themselves, which is a pretty low bar. So there is that. There is the other thing that it's all over. <laughs> we don't. We know that there isn't any more Premier League football to uh, to grind us down because it has been a grind. Let's not dress it up. I, oh, I was. Yes. It, it was a warm day today, and I, you know, I sung my heart out for the first sort of forty minutes, and then towards the end of that first half, I was like, oh, I am just a bit tired by this. I am just. I am feeling a bit. I am feeling. I am done. <laughs> i'm done i managed to got my got my second win so i think there is all, all those elements combined to it being that was absolutely fine i mean we lost so you know what i mean in, in it's not fine we lost we finished bottom uh, 19th in the table with the uh, yes only
0: 19th michael yeah um,
1: yeah well done Watford. you proved me wrong again. Yeah,
0: you've been going on 20th on that whatsapp group constantly but ha ha you are wrong my expectations have been smashed well done golden boys <laughs> yeah uh,
1: so there's so there's all that but also also you you mentioned the day we've had you know the pub before catching up with people and a, a day in the sunshine and i do think john and this sounds a little bit glib but you know love football like life is what you make it and You've got to get out there and, and enjoy it. And if you can't enjoy it, then you know, take a back seat, take a breath, and, and come back to it when you when you're ready to. Uh, but I think the people there today were wanted to see it through. Um, wanted, you knew it probably going to be a sunny day. You knew it's going to be a last trip to a, a Premier League ground for a little while for for who knows how long in in reality. So I think you're right. I think you're absolutely. Um, entitled to feel okay about it because we've we've done the season as supporters we've done our bit and I've said it before I think Watford supporters have been terrific this year, certainly in terms of, uh, at the very minimum, the patience Watford fans have shown at home has been nothing short of extraordinary. Um, there have been good away followings up and down the country with a couple of exceptions where there's c- completely understandable mitigating circumstances with funny kickoffs and, and difficult times of the week and so on and so forth. So Watford fans have done their bit and turning up today, it's like all it, well, it was a little full stop on it and, and just saying, right, let's go and have one little last hurrah in the in the sun. And I think there's some satisfaction to be taken from that. From going and, and supporting your club right through to the right through to the end. And and, and absolutely the, the the social side of it is, is huge. I know it is for us and, and for, for plenty of people listening. It's not for everyone, of course, some people who want to get there and get back, but it, it's it's what you make of it. And you have to make sure that you're getting something from your football supporting experience. It has to be nourishing in some way, whether it's the the anxiety and the outpouring of, of support and and cheering and just getting that all off your chest, or whether it's meeting up with your mates that you meet up with. There has to be something other than just the game, because I think otherwise it, it's it's difficult, especially as we've seen this, this year. So we've had a great day. The football has, again, not been up to much, but... Watford has delivered a a really good sort of 10, 12 hours, hasn't it? And um, for that, I shall be be forever grateful.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Mr Troy Deeney, we've seen him at Watford for, well, almost 12 years, 11, 12 years. He's gone off, he hasn't been around with us really this season, off to his hometown of Birmingham City, but now he's got a television career. Yeah, our Troy on television with that face. I'm only joking, Troy. He has got a television programme, a documentary, uh, on Monday evening, if you're listening to to this on Monday morning. It's on Channel 4 uh, this evening. Uh, I'm sure we'll more for later on, if you miss it. And it's all about education and and we sent him a message because the campaign's called Where's My History? And it was something that we know he's passionate about and we like to talk about passionate things uh, on From the Rooker End. So we we messaged him and we caught up with him. He was on holiday in Turkey uh, and so thank you very much for giving up some time, Troy. And uh, we spoke to him about this this new project, how he is and, and what's his journey been like this year.
2: First of all, nice to see you guys thank you for having me Not back nice. i know i'm uh officially the enemy now because i'm in another championship <laughs> team but i just wanted to say it's always a pleasure you guys have always been cool with me i've always loved you lot always had good conversations so appreciate it my new journey jesus i feel like i say that every year yeah if you're just going into the education sector now if you remember what lockdown quite influential shall we say in uh in getting some of the things done in regards to taking a knee and Raising social issues, it's something that I've always been conscious of. One of my best things at Watford is working on the WE campaign. Obviously, which is still up and running, and I think there quite a few arrests and injunctions and orders handed out by the club. So, yeah, quite proud of that. I always find this thing happening where we say education. People need education, whether that be racist, whether that be Zuma kicking a cat, whatever it might be, we need education. And, and my bigger thing is, like, what is the education? who's doing that, where is it being delivered, what is it being delivered to, and what standard? So it made me look at like my own kids and, and what I'm doing. And then I just realised that at the grand old age of 33, my kids who are 7, 8, 13, are all still learning the same things I was learning. I think the world's moved on quite a lot. So why aren't we now learning about diverse histories? And it goes into maths, it goes into women in science, all those different things.
1: Because Troy, if, if if I may bring it bring it back to me, when when this when this campaign launched, I think it was back in February. You wrote your your letter, wasn't it? Your your open letter regarding this, and that's what kick, kick started this whole campaign. And there's obviously work that went into it before that. But at that time, I was reading the book um, "Why We Kneel, How We Rise" by Michael Holding, and it's basically a potted history, if you like, of. The, of the of the situation, everything you know, because I think at that time, Black Lives Matter was a was a big issue, and and the kneeling was was proving to be divisive. Some people I think were misunderstanding it on purpose. Some people didn't really get it, and, and and others engaged with it. But I was reading this book, and the whole idea behind it was to try and get people to understand not just what's happening now, but the reasoning behind it. This book was I read it, and my jaw just dropped in terms of learning about everything that happened all the way back, you know, let's talk about slavery and, and, and all those sort of stuff. And my heart, my heart sank in, an, in, a, in, in in a big way, because it was all new to me. I understood the sort of basic concept of it and the notion of it, but the depth of it and the impact of it and how it echoes through history to the fact that it's still having an impact today. I felt to be perfectly honest, really stupid. And and really guilty that I didn't know much about it, and so this really stuck a, struck a chord with me when, when you started talking about it, because like you, I was I was at school a little bit longer a, a bit a bit longer ago than you, and I dare say we both agree that I probably we had a different schooling experience. I went to a grammar school in in Buckinghamshire. I think you had a bit of trouble and ended up getting expelled at fifteen.
2: Does not sound like me? Does it?
1: yeah i was probably closer than you might think to getting kicked out as well but we had the same same education despite being poles apart and so i the the point i'm trying to make is i had a reasonably good education at at, a grammar school but i knew nothing about this absolutely nothing about it how could we help i guess and and what are you finding what are you learning on this journey about getting it through to people who kind of
2: i get what you say first and foremost never feel guilty i think that's the biggest thing for my side of it thank you first of all for having an open enough mind to even want to read those kind of books because as we get older we get more ignorant we don't need to learn anything and we, and we make this joke about English people being abroad and I say that because you know I'm abroad currently
1: <laughs>
2: but you know like we expect everyone to learn English and uh, if we speak a little bit slower you should know exactly what we're saying you know can I get a lemonade you should understand that we're just ignorant. I think as you get older, that happens. What we're trying to do with this is, is actually open the conversation for kids of all, call out all races. I have two daughters, and I always take it back to these, Mike. And they are in a position where my daughter is worried to jump in a swimming pool because of what it does to her hair. But her white counterparts can get in that pool and it's just whack it in a ball and everything's fine. But we're trying to explain to her, that's just not a, not a you issue. That's just a, a cultural issue. And it doesn't mean you're worse or less than, but the biggest thing that we find as parents is we're having to put our children into schools for seven, eight hours a day. It's longer than we get to look after them and parent them mm. on the whole, because we're in and out, we're doing things. And I just think, why should we as parents then have to then educate our children at home on top of that? So why aren't we getting the books, My Little Heroes, Women in Science, things of these should be... In every classroom
0: because I'm a teacher so I teach year five primary at my school you know we are a forward-thinking school like we have a we've we developed over the last few years a a black history curriculum that sort of sits with all the responsibilities that we have in terms of all the different historical topics that we have to cover and you know for me I teach year five so there's not a lot in terms of where I can fit that in but I, I the one book I always read to them I always read, as a class, we read uh, Flora Benjamin's autobiography, Coming to England. I I feel that as a book where it's all about her as a child and her experience of coming over from Trinidad and Tobago. And it's a great sort of feeling of, for lots of the children in my class, because it's a very diverse school, as most schools are, you know, it is a, a book they can actually all relate to. So it has that sort of positivity in terms of, even though it is about one individual you know, culture—it has a quite a wide thing. Where do, you know, you've you've gone, you've got you know, the ability to go and speak to some very important people um, about this for the documentary. How do, how do they see this? How do they see this fitting in from what you've when you speak to them into the curriculum? Because we we're, we're aware of a new primary history curriculum coming in in a few years' time. Where what have you? They shared with you in terms of how this might fit into the, the school day.
2: It's been quite frustrating when you think about it. Don't get me wrong, I'm only Troy by the way. I don't deserve to have all the, the open book and let me have a look at everything. My biggest frustration, what what I find I had on this journey was a lot of resistance. And I'm in the um in the business of solutions. People taking the knee. Can't do that. But when you ask the question, what should I do? No one has an answer. So I understood a lot of the questions according back to it, it was the teacher's fault, apparently, John. Your fault. <laughs> you, should, you should teach more. You've got all of these tools at your disposal. So we did a survey. We commissioned a survey, which had uh, just under 2,000 teachers. The, the results were staggering, I'll be honest. 97% of the teachers didn't feel confident enough in their teacher training to even talk about the topics, to be empowered to talk about the topics. Now, as we just touched on briefly, we give our kids seven to eight hours a day with teachers. We, we enable someone like you, John, to teach my kids better than I can because you're educated in it and you know more. But if you don't feel empowered to do your job, my kids are getting less education already.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think as a teacher, I I know I have to cover the natural curriculum. I know that the, the, the writing, the reading and the math is very important. But, you know, you are a face that I've put within my lesson plans because of various different reasons. It was only a few weeks ago, Troy, where you were someone, uh, a hero of mine in terms of what you've gone through. It's, it's sort of a, a lovely way to sort of dot things through. Like, say I chose, and the book we have black history books that were around our children that they can pick from they're not part of the curriculum as in these are things that we have to cover do you feel there's a way or there's a specific thing or maybe is it primary or secondary from those conversations you've had where you think it, it's like this is the topic we're going to do because if I start talking about immigration as I do with Fluella it makes complete sense if I then started to talk about with a primary school child certain topics in terms of you know, Floella's Phlo- second book that she did, that would be very different and I would have a lot of problems with parents. Have you sort of seen anywhere or has anybody sort of said to you, this is where we think this is what we need to do?
2: I'm going to answer that question, but in, in a long-winded way, so apologies. But I feel like you, you've you answered the question with itself. So mm-hmm. when kids start reading, they get biff and chip and through each stage, it goes up and there's a little bit more in each book, a few more words, a few more letters. That's still the same way that we should do with diverse learning. Start at a smaller angle, and then you build up like a tree. It grows, it gets bigger, and then the leaves come out, and each kid can go, well, I like that. By the time they get to year nine, they can say, well, i learned a lot about history. And I use this as a perfect example, John. When you're about to teach maths, and we go to algebra, and we say, right, we're going to do algebra, here it is. Well, how about we say, mathematics was started out in Egypt, and then it moved to the Greeks, and now in the West, this is how we followed it on, and this is what we do.
0: I have to do that within my lessons. Taking, you know, a maths lesson in the middle of a room like we do is just rubbish because it's not real life, and that's not where they're going to do their maths. And so many teachers do weave this in, weave this out of their lessons constantly.
2: I agree, and I, and, and I, think, I think one thing I want to make very conscious, I've not said it, is in this documentary, which you're going to see on Monday, there is no taking away. No one's asking to remove science altogether. Now let's put black history, in, or let's not learn about World War Two because we've got to learn about something different. It's like just adding to, and I know that adds a bit more work to teachers, and I apologise, John, already. But what I, what I think we can do is we're not going to target everyone. You're never going to please anyone. We know that as, as grown adults. I just think if we can, especially from people I've spoken to, you'll see on Monday, if we could just stoke the fire, of young people uh, and their imagination we can make such an impact on life never mind just schooling what that person then comes because look how they everyone Mm. talks about education so let's make education Mm. fun let's make education the be all and end all for young children and show them what that means i want to do books on someone like john and mike normal people that can be relatable but look how successful they've been you don't have to be Anthony Joshua. You don't have to be Lewis Hamilton. You can be whatever you want, and success is defined on who you are.
1: Just as well, because my right hook is terrible and my gear changes are absolutely <laughs> dreadful as well. <laughs> but, but Troy, I just wanted to... It's, it's so refreshing to hear, and it's so clear and, and focused in terms of, of what you want to achieve. And of course, the idea is, is great, and, and the idea is, is it's obvious what you want to achieve, and there's no reason it shouldn't be attainable.
2: It's already attainable. You're going to see it on Monday. It's already been done and implemented in Wales. It comes into effect this September, I believe.
1: The question I wanted to ask about about resistance, which you, which you mentioned earlier, do you think that some of that resistance... Some people just don't like change full stop, we get that. But do you think some of that resistance might come down to people being... Scared is probably the wrong word, but perhaps nervous about the whole topic. I heard you on one of your other interviews talking about how there's packages of training that are available for teachers to make sure that they're delivering the the, the education and the teaching in the right manner and to to empower them to feel confident that they're saying the right things in the right way. Do you think that's a big thing? Because sometimes when you start talking about stuff that is difficult and and hard for people to, to face up to or hard to understand... You know, people get nervous and worried. They don't want to offend people. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to use a phrase that that that, that was fine 20 years ago and now you, you, you get the, we
2: live We live in a cancel culture. You just saw Blackpool, the players just come out as being the first gay uh, footballer since 1990. The same day, they've gone through all his teammates' old tweets and got on one of his, his old teammates who he's already had a conversation with and now we're trying to cancel him for something that he said 10 years ago.
1: But what an amazing reaction from the player, I thought, Troy. And that that showed a bit of education and a bit of confidence. He said, look, mate, you said that 10 years ago. I know you are not the man now saying the things you were then. And that shut everything down amazingly.
2: That requires empathy. And that is what we're losing now more and more. We are losing the empathy to understand what John thinks, what Mike thinks. Now it's a case of black and white. We can't have yeah. grey, and you, I, I usually say in a lot, I think the beauty is in the argument in the grey area, because we can sure. have a discussion sure. and we can understand it. I can still come away from it not liking what you've said and vice versa. Now I'm educated on it.
1: Do you think, Troy, that a, a big part of your of this campaign and what this extra education, this extra element to, to education can deliver is, and it's kind of going back to what I was talking about mumbling and bungling through earlier, how... My I'll give you an example. My appreciation of you changed completely when I read your book. I made the mistake of thinking, because I've seen, spoken to you a couple of times, because I've watched you through Watford, and because I've got like a vague idea of what your story was, I thought, yeah, yeah, I've got a good idea on, on Troy. And the same thing happened when I read your book, and I think I might have messaged you to say, I was like, Jesus, what an idiot for me to think that I knew your life, because you just opened my eyes and opened the door. And so I my my view changed, and... My take on our relationship, such as it is, changed, and it's the same thing with with understanding this education for people our age as well. That if you understand the reasons and the causes for people's actions today, because of you know the stereotyping that's happened throughout history, that's where the empathy is missing. I think because if if more people can have that light bulb moment that I did, sort of a, for example, reading your book or reading Michael Holdings' book, people would just go. Ah, right I get it and And that comes down to education, so I'm keen to know whether you see your this campaign as helping kids today get that um understanding of who they are and that that identity, and then everyone else and um, other people understanding what different people are going through and why they face different challenges so that there's an immediate reaction for for kids that go through the education system, and then in 10, 15, 20 years' time, we're talking about people who are much better-rounded and they have got empathy. They are willing to take a step back and think, right, they are living a different life to to me. They are experiencing different things. Is that... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that strikes me as as the direction you're trying to go in.
2: Of course. I, I call it the snowball effect. If I can influence you just by you reading my book you have a whole different demographic of people that i don't speak to whether that be your neighbors family whatever so now you, someone might bring my name up. i saw that try and tell he's full of nonsense actually no no read this book now you've influenced someone that i could never reach and i think the way to do it is always to empower kids i think john might disagree with me here but i think adults kill kids dreams
0: my favorite word that adults don't use is imagine and i yeah. think that's i love that word Imagine this, imagine that, and imagine all the things you like, and imagine a, a dragon, and that's what yeah. adults don't do. And like you say, I don't know if adults kill it or the things that we do we as we it. grow older. We
2: harness it, yeah, we harness it. So, again, a, a, being a parent, it's, you try and push your kids into safe jobs, into don't go over there because you might get hurt, or you might, don't go play near the bushes with the stingers in there. You, everything is don't, 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 and we shorten their window of uh, their imagination and, uh, again I go back to my daughters when I see them playing Barbies and they've got different accents and they're they've made this different story up and Ken's talking to Barbie and then there's the soccer Ken's come out and it's like you just listen to them and you're like wow they're Brady so just free and a child's laugh isn't its is, to me it's the only thing that can genuinely make me happy I've been at funerals and heard a, a kid laugh and I'm like oh yeah that's pure we as yeah. parents and adults we kind of crush it was the wrong word i think more like harness it and dampen it and i think if we could allow that especially in the new world where you can make videos just off your phone whether that be podcasts or youtubes we need more imagination
0: we don't it's like a skill to imagine and to dream mm-hmm. is a skill and if you don't practice your skills they peter out 100%. and i think that that's what we and that's what we do we don't really practice the skill of going imagine me being this imagine us doing this imagine yep. there was a big snake in the middle of the... yeah: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The ability to dream is such a so so, so Im, based on your soci- on your community and the, the societal issues that surround you, though, isn't it? And, and I think this is why I'm so switched onto to this campaign troy about trying to make things better for people, because it feels like we're really struggling to be perfectly honest at, at, at the moment. And,
2: <laughs> Mike, just look around at me innit in it. I've said it for like two years, everywhere is miserable. You look on the news, mm. electric's through the roof. This is through the roof then. Yeah. You know, this person's getting fined and that person's getting fined and we don't like it, we don't like it. It's like, where's the fun? Even as adults, where's the fun? Yeah. People might go, oh, Troy, you've yeah. got a you know nice life and all that. But I'm just genuinely saying, like, where's the fun? Everyone's worrying. And rightly so, if you're in that situation. But like John just said, if you imagine how good things could be And imagine what you could do if you got out of this situation. I don't want to sound like a Molly May, you know, we all work, all got saved 24 hours. I don't believe that. (laughs) But I just honestly think that, like... You could probably
1: design better clothes as well, (laughs) Troy.
2: Just say, like, you know, just that beauty of being able to... You know where I've come from. You've read my books. You've heard the story a million times. But something in me was able to imagine bigger and better. Was I blessed and lucky today? Yes, of course I was.
1: That's the, that's the next step, then, Troy. About the, about this journey, you know, from from deciding you wanted to to do something to the open letter to the journey you've been on since, which will see the culmination on Channel Four. Let's give people a bit of listening, a, a bit of sort of inspiration from it. Though, so you, we know you faced resistance. You know there are challenges. What happened on that journey, which I know isn't over, to give you and us all hope?
2: The fact that the Minister of Education reached out straight away. That was quite refreshing. If you know about his story, he's obviously uh, a refugee and had a lot of things going on in his life as well. I don't want to give any spoilers away. What I will say is if if the conversation doesn't continue and doesn't move down the trajectory that I feel is acceptable, because again, I think I'm quite a reasonable person, I don't expect him to click his fingers and go, right, now it's mandatory and it's all sorted. And all teachers have to go on a six-month course to figure it out. I just think if we can at least put a date on where diverse learning will be mandatory across the course. Because you have to remember as well, Mike and John will understand this, a lot of schools go to academies now. So once you transfer mm-hmm. to an academy, you can make your own curriculum. So even if they were to say it's mandatory, uh, an academy wouldn't have to follow that necessarily. They would have to pick little bits and pieces, but they wouldn't have to, to do it. So I think it's quite important that we push for that now while it's still only the odd school here and there with the academy umbrellas.
1: It is encouraging and it is empowering. And I think people, don't necessarily recognise the power that they have as an individual. And I think people listening might sit back and say, well, Troy, if you if you email him or tweet him, you're going to get a response, I'm, I'm less likely to. But the, but the reality is, that unless you try, it's not going to happen, is it?
2: But but also, though, Mike, what I did, and I hope you'll all see this on Monday, this isn't the Troy Dealey show. I know people think that is all I do anyway. Honestly, <laughs> this is me giving a platform to majority of young women that have been doing this four, five, six years with their uh, expertise. And what I'm doing is giving them a platform to speak and I'm backing off and going, here you go. Now everyone's listening. Because Troy getting up there and speaking and then somebody who's educated goes, well, let me challenge this. And I don't have the answers. How stupid do I look? So what I've done is make it so, I feel like we should all be in a line as humanity. Should it be Troy in front, trying to get an OBE or some nonsense like that? It should all of us be in a line saying, this is what we need to make human race better us to have empathy and understand each different person white black asian whatever you want to talk about i need to learn more i don't know much about your lives away from football how ignorant am i if i were trying to tell someone about you like someone goes how's that mike is it all right many. I Can gonna give you 10 seconds worth of information because of all we have saw is the football side of you. i don't know what you like at home i don't know what you like because if you base it off instagram we've all got great lives and i'm dad number one and so are you too <laughs> It's just about opening eyes and opening our minds to being a little bit more empathetic and understanding that this, this is a conversation that is difficult, not only for white people, but for black people as well. And if we can understand that and meet in the middle, a great conversation can be born from it.
1: We're the Orns,
0: you're the Orns. Come on, you I say, Michael, he just has... He's. I know. This sounds patronising. I don't mean it, but I think when I originally met Troy, I must have interviewed him before he had his long stay at Her Majesty's pleasure. You know, he has changed so much, and he is continually changing. He's he's growing up constantly.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I know what you mean. Growing up is is probably not the right the, the right yeah. phrase, but I know he's he's evolving and yeah. and developing as a person, and what he's obviously learning to do, it's certainly with this project which is an incredibly worthwhile project which I, I, i'm following with with great interest is he's got a platform and he's using it now what would it be easy for footballers to do is to uh, you're financially secure you don't have to work another day in your life you can sit in your uh le bouton trainers by the side of whichever pool in whatever country you want for the rest of your life uh, and do naffle and what troy has chosen to do is once again, stick his head above the parapet and talk about what is a really difficult subject. Actually, because I I feel that, and you probably picked up on it a little bit when when we were talking to Troy about these subjects, it can be quite difficult for a sort of a white forty year old man to talk about the sort of struggles and the issues facing um, the black Asian and, and ethnic minority races. It's, it's it's sometimes it feels like it's not my place, but. So for him, and it's it's just an awkward thing sometimes to, to talk about, even now I'm sort of tripping over my words a little bit, so I think by Troy sticking his head up above the parapet and, and creating this, you know it started back in February, didn't it with with his open letter and and, and, the, and the documentary chances story ever since then, and basically what he's trying to do is get improve uh, the cur- curriculum, so it includes uh, black and uh, Asian and ethnic minority history in, in the curriculum because. For a whole host of reasons which hopefully are, are, are quite clear one thing that troy talked about when we spoke to him was empathy from my point of view a, a personal point of view it feels like that's something that's lacking Massively. in this in this day and age people aren't willing to first and foremost they're not willing to stop and listen even less people are unwilling to stop and listen and th- think about how that impacts on someone else now we've all got busy, increasingly difficult and challenging lives. You know, it's unprecedented times over the last couple of years for a whole host of reasons, and it's going to continue to be tricky. So I, re- I recognise that everyone has to look after themselves. But a part of looking after yourself, I think, is looking after each other and looking, you know, having a sense of community, having a sense of society. And part of that is understanding what, what other people's lives are like have been like and perhaps why they are like that now and you know throughout history there's a whole host of reasons as to why for example racial tensions still exist or racist undertones still pervade perhaps subconsciously and that's all stems from history so finding out about it and learning about it is is so important but it is Divisive. It's tricky. It's awkward. So for for Troy to to use his platform, like you say, John, is a, is an incredibly grown up and worthwhile thing to do. So I was really keen to talk to him about this because I I just have such um what's the word? I'm in awe of people who are able to who ha- could re- have a really easy life. They don't they don't need to do this. He's got it made, and and Troy would be the first person to admit that. But instead, what he's doing is using his voice and his profile. To, to try and change things for, for the better. And, you know, what an admirable, admirable quality that was. And, uh, yeah, of course, thanks very much to, to Troy for his time. He was, on, he was on fantastic form, as he would be if, if he were by the pool in, in Turkey, of course.
0: I always wonder, he, you know, the conversations sort of they do, if we got him drunk, I reckon <laughs> we could easily sit around with some big fat cigars, and I reckon we could solve all the problems of the world. All right,
1: let's give it a go.
0: I reckon it would work. I reckon he's got it within him. That is it. Watford are now no longer a Premier League side and we are looking forward, uh, hopefully not too far away, to life in the Championship. Thank you, Mike, for for this season. But of course, we have to thank, more importantly, for people putting up with us and giving up their time to listen to us whitter on about Watford Football Club, don't we?
1: Absolutely incredible. Yeah, a, a heartfelt thanks to each and every person that's listened to, whether it's five or ten minutes or whether it's every one of the podcasts that we've put out this season, it still blows my mind. To be honest, that people take the time to to stop and listen, especially in a in a, in a season like this, um, it really does make my life as a Watford supporter so much more enriched. Um, God, that's uh, signing off as articulately as ever here, aren't <laughs> I? But it, it does make my life as a Watford supporter so much better and, and fulfilling, being able to share it with people. And um, I know that people disagree with me all the time, which is absolutely fantastic. I love hearing other people's views and, and I'll fight my corner sometimes. But the fact that people take the time and have done ever since we've done the podcast to to listen, um, share their feedback, get in touch, uh, good, bad or, or, or indifferent is we'll never ever take that for granted it's a it's a huge thing for us and a, a, a massive vote of thanks to everyone for sticking, sticking with us this season. It's, um, yeah, It's been a privilege to, and an honour to talk about Watford and wonderful to know that people are listening to it. So thank you very, very much indeed. And to all the other gang, especially to John. John, you never get the, the credit you deserve for, for the podcast. You have put all the hard work in to make sure that we, um, we talk about the right things and uh, you put the hard work it and get it out there in people's feeds for when they expect it during the, on, on a Sunday, Monday or, or Thursday so thank you to, to you, John, and for all the hard work you do. And thank you to everyone else that contributes to, to, from the rookie end, especially the little, the core group who put up with, you would not believe the amount of nonsense <laughs> they have to put up with from me, whether it's in the flesh or, or via WhatsApp or on the phone. The nonsense that comes from me is... Um, yeah, it's it's otherworldly, really. So so big thanks to John. Big thanks to, to, to all the From the Rookery uh, gang and contributors. But yeah, absolutely. Most of all, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for sticking with Watford. Supporting your football club is, is what you make it. We're on the cusp of something new, a cusp of, cusp of change. Let's get behind them. Let's stick together. We're critical friends. That's what we like to call ourselves. And I think we can all do that. Um, but remember what Troy talked about: empathy. Try and work out where everyone's coming from, and together I think we can be a we can be a force for for good, and we can make going to Vicarage Road fun again.
0: Over to you. Rob and the gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring back the fun, please, Mr. Rob Edwards. And of course, thank you to Adam uh, for all the midweek podcast uh, that we've been doing this, this season. But if you haven't subscribed and you haven't done all those things, you can go to uh, your favorite podcasting place and uh, search for From the End and press the subscribe button. Uh, and of course, follow us on social media at What Podcast, on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram, and some other places like that. We might have to do TikTok. Mm, maybe not. Uh, but thank you uh, uh, for everything uh, and well there's only one way to finish a podcast at the end of a season which could be argued to be the worst season we've ever witnessed or I've ever witnessed as a Watford fan but we know there's another one to come Come on you boys The
2: Athletic